On this episode, we discuss the computer war tennis shoes. Or as it's known on the East Coast, the computer war sneakers. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Wow, it's me, Stuart Wellington. And over here in Los Angeles, California, home of mm-hmm. Hollyweird, where they make the movies and sometimes a lot of TV shows too, and occasionally theater, but surprisingly the theater scene is not what you uh-huh. think it would be in a town so full of writers okay. and actors and directors. Yeah. Uh, it's something, I mean, that I'm kind of surprised by, but in a lot of ways it makes sense because people here are more trained for screen acting than stage acting. It's Elliot uh-huh. Kalin. Oh, I, I, that went on for so long, I didn't realize you hadn't actually said your name yet. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. But now I have, and it's Elliot Kalen. That's me. Good night, everybody. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I guess Elliot's gone. I guess it's just you and me, Dan. Uh, uh, one of us, when one of us goes, the other reaps the whole tontine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, guys, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie. And then we talk about it. And now, Dan, do you usually sound like you're on the verge of no, death on the show? I d- well, I actually often do, but <laughs> in this case, a little more so because I got a cold right before Thanksgiving. I did a lot of Thanksgiving traveling, and yeah. I think even though I was on the mend, that pushed me back down the hill. Uh-huh. And I woke up this morning sounding like this. So, So this is one of those things where you're like... If I'm going to die, I'm going to record a sweet podcast before I go. Uh, please carve the computer war tennis shoes on my gravestone. My, oh, only, cool. my only regret is I didn't tell the world what I thought about a young Kurt Russell. That's what you would say on your deathbed. Yeah. Let, let, let's explain. Handsome. Big surprise. Let's He's explain. a handsome guy. <laughs> let's explain a little bit. This is, uh, this is back when Captain Ron was just an ensign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll be like, the audience member is like, the computer wore tennis shoes? That little scene uh, Disney live action movie from the early 70s? That spawned multiple sequels. Two sequels. Right? Yeah. And, and we are like, yeah, it's impressive that you actually know what that is, listener. Uh-huh. But we're doing it because, now listen, don't take this as an endorsement of Disney+. Plus. Take it as what it is. Us shamelessly trying to capitalize on the reflected glory of... That is Disney Plus. Oh, okay. It's been yeah, the, the news. What do you think? Uh, you think Disney Plus is going to? Uh, if people like Google search Disney Plus, they're like, "What's everybody talking about?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, they like, might get a link to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, people who search for Disney Plus also search for the Flop House, the computer yeah. wore tennis shoes. This will be the 182nd link that Google pulls up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, maybe you know if you te- you do that, I feel lucky yeah. button. It'll come well, up. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe this is just us trying to placate our world entertainment Zaibatsu uh, overlords that will, I'm sure, soon absorb all media. Could be. But, you know, I just thought it would be kind of fun to uh, do something different. And that's uh, that's this, you know? Yeah. Actually, <laughs> it Dan. Is, have, it is ha- different. Dan, have you ever tried to goose the Google search for this show a little bit? Like, you could rename an episode like... The Flophouse, Disney Plus, Trump, Boobs, uh-huh. uh, Monkey, Elliot Kalen Feet. Yeah, Elliot Kalen Feet. Yeah, uh, yeah. You just put anyone's feet in there, and it'll do yeah. it. 
Because otherwise they'll think it's featuring Elliot Kalin, which I've done on many hip-hop tracks, but uh-huh, sure. it's not my actual feet because I don't sing through them. Mm-hmm. You don't sing through your feet or you don't sing through the tracks that you're on? I mean, Oh, I sing through the tracks that I'm on. That's why oh, I get wow. hired for so many, but I don't sing oh, yeah, through my feet. You do, you do like a high melody part, right? You don't <laughs> yeah. do like a rap? Well, the no, letters, no, no, no. Mine, no my, I'm the one where like when, the weekend. when it slows down a little bit and, I, and it's got to be soulful. That's when I come mm-hmm. in. Not the rap oh, part. Cool. I can't do oh. that. That's too difficult. Oh, I was going to say, because your letters songs have a lot of internal rhymes, mm-hmm. like like much of modern rap, you know, like the, the, the not so much just rhymes at the end of the, the line, but he, he, he mixes it up. Is this, are you, are you uh, doing a little pitch to do some kind of a hip hop podcast with Jesse Thorne now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be called, Jesse, I don't know what you're talking about with Jesse yeah, and Elliot. Yeah, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dan, so this is all a very... Uh, scheming, conniving, shallow, greedy way for us to jump aboard the Disney Plus gravy train and yeah. talk about a Disney Plus movie. And you were especially excited to do this because, is it because you love old school Disney or because you love jumping onto trends? I say as you twerk and whip your hair back and forth right in front of mm-hmm. me. Uh, is it? And you're also doing the ice bucket challenge? Trends? I'm sorry. <laughs> trends, Elliot? <laughs> Are you a time traveler? <laughs> Your trends are a little out of date, as I'm saying. Okay. Uh, but is this, which is it? Is it Because I know you like old Disney stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a big part of it is, like, this was a movie that I saw on the Disney Channel when I was a very young child and enjoyed because, you know, uh, I had power fantasies of being super smart. <laughs> and... Uh, but, like, I, I couldn't remember anything about it. And also wearing it. tennis shoes, right? Because you grew up very poor. And yes. your parents could only afford to buy you cardboard shoes, which you could not play tennis in. Because the, the courts at the time where you were, again, it was a very poor town. The courts were made uh, out of glass, and the, and the glass courts would have just ripped up those cardboard seems shoes. Seems like that would be more expensive to get, a, like, what, a single pane of glass? No, no, no. It's, it's just shards. They it's just filled a vacant glass. lot with shards. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, Elliot. It's, the idea that I would ever exercise as vigorously as a, a game of tennis is comical to me. <laughs> No, but I also like <laughs> the glass Tennessee, <laughs> the glass uh, tennis court by Tennessee Williams. <laughs> tennis hyphen Y <laughs> Williams. Um, no, I I also like you know as with you. I mean, obviously, I have a fascination with things that are bad. Uh-huh. Uh, thus, this podcast, yeah. and <laughs> yeah. I have a fascination with like old Disney. So this period where they pumped out really dumb live-action comedies uh-huh. is kind of interesting to me, even though they're all objectively like boring and terrible. Mm-hmm. So even Son of Flubber. Uh, even Son of Flubber. Okay. Even and and so and I we there's another movie that I wanted to do, which maybe we'll do another time called Million Dollar Duck, which. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll get to see that, but it, it seems like a lot of uh, the Disney movies at the time involved someone discovering something and then being chased for mm-hmm. it. That was pretty yeah. much the formula, right? Yeah. The uh, the when the computer wore tennis shoes wrapped up and the credits were playing, uh, the my next option was to watch the Ugly Dachshund, <laughs> which also looked pretty good, guys. I mean, the thing is, they should have just called it The Dachshund. Am I right, everybody? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, man, we because... are going to get some unsubscribes <laughs> in a second. I'm just saying, those wiener dogs are busted. <laughs> oh, wow. No, no, there's one at work that's adorable. Yeah, you name them Frank. <laughs> that's what you do with them. <laughs> They're all named Frank. Yeah. 
But you gotta explain to people if it's a if it's named Frank, you gotta explain to visitors to your house. You gotta be like, now this is a dog, uh-huh. not yep. a Frankfurter. Uh-huh. Yep. Do not put mustard on it and try to eat it. <laughs> yeah, or they're they're like, oh, it's so it's such an honor to meet you, Mister Curry. And you're like, no, no, this is not Tim Curry in the role of Frank and Furter from the movie mm-hmm. Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yep. This is a dog. Yeah. Yep. I mean, not, uh... in this scenario, you have very dumb friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you're gonna be tempted to put. A dog-sized hot dog bun on him and put some relish on him uh, so that you can take a photo of him. But I'm I'm sorry, you might be tempted to eat him. I don't think it's a good idea. No, no. I know you're going to be tempted to ask him to sing one of his many hits, New York, New York, uh, The Autumn Mm -hmm. of My Year, September of My Years. Mm -hmm. But no, this is is not... Yeah, uh, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, it's if, a you dog look, named if you Frank. look, if you look closely, you'll see that he does not have blue eyes, so he is not Frank Sinatra. <laughs> no, so don't say "Sing my way," because the best you're going to get is "Ray Ray," which is not that's not the way Frank Sinatra sounds. Yeah. So uh, I I want to say everybody that was just a joke. Dachshunds, of course, are adorable dogs bred to have their bodies fall apart so that we may be delighted uh, by the inconvenience with which they live. Dan, mm-hmm. continue. So you love old Disney movies. Yeah, and I think we all uh, really like Kurt Russell quite a bit. Oh, and yeah, it's fun to see him back in his, like, not child actor at this point, uh, cusp of adulthood actor days. Uh-huh. Um, this was this yeah. is when this is when uh, the ancient Greeks would say he was at his most beautiful, when he's still a young man, but his full beard has not come in yet. Mm. Uh, okay, no, yeah, give me, the, for, give me yeah. the bearded Kurt Russell. Give me a Kurt Russell with elaborate facial hair please okay mm-hmm. hateful eight turn it on yeah um okay let's just start so dan you're doing let's the plot today so i want to so i want to warn everybody that dan's doing the plot today now i hear <laughs> the rustling of papers which tells me that dan took notes which is, I a, actually new, took which notes. is a different thing for him so <laughs> yeah but i my body sabotaged me it's it's weird they they look like they they should be notes but it's just torn out pages of highlights for kids that he <laughs> so then it, goofus he does this thing and gallant he does the opposite and and the word jumble isn't even filled out so i don't know if i'd call it notes <laughs> all right uh, so we start so, so wait out- wait hold on fanfare the Flophouse presents Disney Plus Spectacular Showcase, the computer award tennis shoes starring Kurt Russell and Cesar Romero, hosted by Dan McCoy. And now, live from the Disney Main Street Electric Parade, it's Dan McCoy. <laughs> oh, I wish I could remember how that theme goes, uh, and I, or I would, I would do it, although just, my voice is not in... Although this, this might be a little theme, right? It was like, da-da-da, yeah, well, computer tennis I'm gonna, shoes. I'm going to get to that. All right, we start off with these pop art kind of credits with the, with a title song about how the computer wore tennis shoes uh-huh. and it has lyrics like making the news paying his dues <laughs> and there's computer bleep bloops in the I background mean, they also mentioned that he is he's is, he's is coming up with ideas that they, what they call a cosmothropic pace which is a <laughs> word that i've yet to see anywhere else <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's science uh Elliot, you wouldn't understand <laughs> good good point true um, so we open on, there's uh, uh, wait, wait, Dan, does the theme song illuminate at all how this computer suddenly got shoes on him or is it still a mystery? It's still a mystery at this point. I, I believe I, I, I mean, you the could whole just, you just lift up the computer tower and stuff some shoes underneath <laughs> it. There you go. Yeah. Good point. Like, like there's a wicked witch under there. It's like one of those Mr. <laughs> Potato heads. Uh-huh. 
Now, those so are two we, different things you guys have just compared it to. Stuart, yours is a little more apt, I feel, because Miss Potato Head is wearing the shoes. He's not sitting on top of a dead body that has shoes on it. Whereas, Dan, if it's a Wicked Witch scenario, that is a corpse that has shoes on it. And, of course, you're going to remove those shoes, and its feet are going to roll back like two gross Beetlejuice sandworms. Uh-huh. Uh, so I guess what I'm saying is, folks... Folks, if you see a dead witch under a house, don't steal her shoes. You're just going to end up in a load of trouble when you could have gotten home the entire time by finding a friendly con artist with a hot air balloon. And no, that's gotta, one to grow on. You got it the wrong way around. Anyway, so we start Wait, but she needs the a, shoes to get by at the end. I'm saying you don't need those shoes if you get in the hot air balloon and your dog jumps out and you're like, all right, goodbye, Toto. I guess you liked Oz more. I can get another dog in Kansas. So it's kind of like how... How do it, we know that that balloon could get you back to Kansas? Come on. I mean, as we know, he he makes very clear he doesn't know how it works. But I mean, he got it from Omaha. Omaha's closer to Kansas than the Emerald City is. So you All do right. the math, Dan Stewart. You were gonna say. So it's kind of like the whole thing where, like, if Indiana Jones just stayed working his normal professor's job, those Nazis would have just been killed by the Ark anyway. Oh, yeah, it would have been even better. Probably would have been killed by the Nazis. So there was at least something. No, no, they would have brought the Ark to Hitler because he's like, "Ooh, I want to see this. This is going to be pretty cool." The the spirit of death would have, the angel of death would have killed Hitler. War over. Thanks, Indiana Jones, for prolonging the war. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's a pretty good point. Yeah, <coughs> it's not a good point at all. They wanted to. <laughs> it's not like without Indiana Jones, they would have changed the idea of like, let's look into the Ark ahead of time just to be sure. No, they were only doing that because they wanted to show Indiana Jones how cool they were. They'd be if yeah. he wasn't there, oh. they'd be yeah. like, "Hey guys." Proper safety <laughs> procedures. Let's wait till we get this to Berlin before we open up the Ark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. You're right. We just we don't have any Americana Schweinhunds here that we really need to yeah. impress by showing yeah. how super duper uber tough we are by opening up the Ark right in front of him. So let's wait till we get it home. Yeah, I guess, and then guess we, Elliot just saw Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I did just see Jojo Rabbit. Well, the, uh, as I, I tweeted about this. The weirdest thing about Jojo Rabbit is that the the Jojo Rabbit, the actor, the character. Uh-huh. He yeah. looks like I imagine my son Sammy will look when he is that age. Like, he looks a uh-huh. lot like him. So it's like, oh, okay, so this is what my son looks like as a Nazi. Thanks, Taika. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. Well, we've only gotten to the credits, so please uh-huh. let me. <laughs> All right. So, Dan, where, where does this take place? At a high-tech military installation? A, a lunar colony? Where? No, it's at a college. <laughs> I have the name written down later, but I forget it right now. I like think it's Medford. Medford or something. Oh, it's yeah. Medfield. Medfield College. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we open in, like, the co- the college's dean is talking to, I don't know. I mean, like, one of the people he's talking to is a professor. Uh-huh. So it's unclear. Like, you would think that he was, like, hey, this is kind of an administrative meeting, but maybe this professor's on some sort of I mean, they're talking about a budget, right? Yeah, it, it appears to me they were talking about the school budget and Professor Quigley has a yeah. proposal. He wants the school to buy a computer. I was trying to remember where I recognized that actor from because uh, he looks super familiar. And then I, I saw his credits were like 385 acting credits. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I could look through this or I could yeah. watch the movie I'm I'm supposed to be watching. <laughs> yeah. there, I so, mean, a lot of the actors in this were in tons of movies and TV shows. You've seen them. Quigley uh, wants this computer for the science department, and the college dean is like, blah, 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 we don't have the money for that. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the kids, uh, the gang, uh, one of whom being Kurt Russell, have a transmitter hidden in the flowers Uh so they can listen into this administrative meeting Uh that they're fascinated by for some reason. Well, the reason is because they're worried about being on some kind of, like, double secret probation or whatever. No, they're like... The dean denies the computer and he says, okay, on to our non-gifted students. And it's just interesting that all these quote-unquote bad students are so 
uh, like invested in hearing whether they're you know on this bad list of well, because here's the thing, Dan. Here's this is a pretty subversive movie in a lot of ways, and I and uh-huh, one of the main yeah. reasons is any power structure. I'll tell you what it really has to worry about and who the real uh-huh. enemies are. Not the criminal element or the troublemaking kids, the kids who are invested in the system and want to see positive change. Those are the ones mm-hmm. who are really threatening the system at its foundations. And so Dexter, Kurt Russell, and his friends, they're on the bad list, not because they're bad kids, but because they're too interested in seeing uh, good things happen. Okay. Yeah. And that we'll see how this plays out. Yeah, and that threatens the dean's power. And as you'll see throughout the movie, this is a movie very much about power and the way power corrupts and also the way that power is used as leverage on both an educational and a governmental and in some ways and a criminal uh, level. So it's very much about this intersection between what I call the educational scientific criminal complex and how Dexter fits into that, which is as a goofy dude who electroshocks himself by accident. It's kind of like how Saturn, in order to maintain his power, devoured his children, you know? Yeah. Exactly. I, yes. I, I'm beginning to see why uh, Stuart seems more than usually annoyed at Elliot when he's the one doing the summary. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, they want like they 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 really want this computer. So Kurt Russell want, is going to get this local businessman to maybe donate. He's like <laughs> it, a guy that he worked for. It is very funny and, that it's like, oh, here here is the non gifted ne'er do wells we should kick out, and they're like, yeah. we should help this. We should help a local businessman donate a computer to the college. Yeah, <laughs> and lo and behold. Who's this businessman? But Cesar Romero, TV's The Joker. And maybe he's playing The Joker out of makeup here because, he, as you will find out, he is a criminal later on. But he's not like a funny Spoilers. criminal. No. I don't know. I think that maybe he does some sort of becomes the Joker. pretty funny. <laughs> and and, there, and there's some events over the course of the movie, I feel, that might be a inciting moment that might turn him into The Joker. But we'll get to that. We'll get so to you're that. saying the movie Joker is a... Remake of the computer wore tennis shoes yeah, in some ways. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Todd Phillips saw the subplot involving Caesar <laughs> Romero in this movie. Says this gives me an idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so they talk to the businessman. He's like, I don't know. I already donated all this money, but uh, but ultimately he thinks like maybe he will, and he goes into a secret room behind a portrait of Whistler's mother on the wall. Uh-huh. And they're using their computer that they have in the back to do mysterious betting things, uh-huh. gambling, like fixing sports betting or something. Yeah, it's not totally clear how the computer figures I mean, into there. He runs he runs a series of rigged casinos. Yeah, and somehow they need the computer for that. Now here's one of the more baffling decisions that he makes, which I guess uh-huh. if you're yeah. as perverse as the Joker, maybe it makes sense in a strange, <laughs> humorous way. But uh, he's yeah. like. Well, this computer is the nerve center of our illegal organization. You know what? I think I will donate it to the college. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it wasn't full of incriminating evidence, why would he give up the thing he needs to run all this, the illegal casinos? Dan, yeah. what's going on in his mind other than the sheer, again, perversity of being well, a living joke? He does tell his henchman not to give the money to uh, the, the college. So maybe he's just going to buy a newer computer with that money. Uh, and get rid of like old hardware. It is oh, yeah. it is strange though that like I don't know. It seems like Kurt Russell should have made it clear, and it seems like he does make it clear that they need both the money and the computer. But <laughs> Cesar Romero's like, no, I'm pulling the funding and giving you this giant giving room you this filling trash. computer. 
Now, it feels like they should have had a scene where his henchman is like, the police are on to us. We got to get rid of the evidence. So he's uh-huh. like, oh, okay, I'll donate the computer to the college. And yeah. that way we won't that have it. That would have made, made everything make way more sense in this <laughs> but, whole movie. But instead he's yeah. just like, oh, this will save me 20000 bucks if I send them this incriminating crime computer. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Then we get a scene that's kind of not that necessary where the computer is getting moved into the science department Uh and the dean comes in angry that Cesar Romero is taking the money back and he's mad at Kurt Russell's character, Dexter. Uh This is this scene has one of there's a couple of jokes in the movie where I'm like, why are these jokes in a kid's movie? And Uh this one. The, the professor is bossing them around, and they're like, boy, the professor doesn't waste any time. And he goes, yeah, if he was in charge of the Soviets' five-year plan, it would be done in six months. And it was like, was that something that kids thought was really funny at the time? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Soviet planning jokes? <laughs> um, so the, the good professor is giving, uh, like Quigley is lecturing on, on the computer. Uh, on on computers in general, and he's got these watercolor big diagrams on <laughs> like placards, and yep. uh, and what are they what are they diagrams of, Dan? Uh, one's like a like a guy's head, like a brain. I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, Quigley, uh, I have noted down here the actor is William Shallert uh, because I too like Stuart was like I've yeah. seen this guy in a million yep. things. Who is he? But yeah, he's been in too much. He's a, I think he was in a bunch of episodes of the new Gidget. So <laughs> okay. write it down, guys. <laughs> Put that in your dossier for William Shallert. <laughs> so Jesus, like. So he so does this, a lecture. The computer like explodes or something, and he's like, "Oh, my mainframe thing got all busted." Yeah, I have to go to Radio he's, Shack. He's showing a really elaborate demonstration of how a computer, properly programmed, can close a window and order groceries over the phone. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got like this movie is so nothing that like I I was like I made these notes. Sometimes the notes uh-huh. get a little shorthandy. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll remember what it is because mm. I watched this movie, and no, I don't. Like it's like. I so what do you, thing. so so read your notes and we'll puzzle them out like we're deciphering it, the snowman's clues because he left well, us all the clues, Mister Police. Well, I remember this first one: experiment with rain gauge and computer. That's he he put a rain gauge on the on the roof and like like if you don't want to go out to the store or whatever, like uh-huh. it'll, like the computer will phone for you to have it delivered or I don't know. Uh-huh. It was really funny. He's like he's like, why should I expend the effort of shutting one window? And calling the store and speaking to them for 30 seconds when I can spend several hours programming this computer to do those for me. Yeah, but the, the note that I don't quite understand, it says, space computer. Experiment does crazy stuff with door and phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, the phone just starts like lifting up and down and the door starts slamming. It's kind yeah. of got it. It was reminiscent of the like when the evil spirit takes over the cabin in Evil Dead 2. Yeah. And everything starts saying dead by dawn. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what it reminded yeah. me of. Yeah. I think what I think what happens is they they posit, I think, that the computer used to be used for space experiments. And so that mm-hmm. information may still be in it. And they ask it about it and it goes nuts. <laughs> oh, oh, OK. Crazy. So and something think, something like. One of the things got fried out, and the and he's like, "Oh well, I guess I'll never be able to fix this ever again." And then Kurt Russell's <laughs> like, "Okay, I'll drive a couple hours to the store to buy you a new one." Well, no, he's yeah, I think he's I think he's yeah, stealing it from where he used to work or whatever. Well, he's, but, um, and he's he's trying to get out of he's trying to get out of studying for this big test that's coming up. The dean is like, yeah. "The big the big standardized test is coming up tomorrow," and we last year we were second to last in the whole state. Yeah, and Kurt Russell drives in the rain, and the rain is this great like rear screen projection that just looks like a bunch of crazy scribbles. 
uh, out the window. I mean, and we can barely see it because he's plastered his windshield and windows with the stuff he's supposed to be studying. So he, while he's uh-huh. driving, he's reading and trying to study. And I'm like, oh, to be able to read and drive at the same time. Yeah. That's, a, my, he, my that's dream a real, uh, yeah, that's a real long haul trucker technique, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's also peeing in a bottle and then hurling the bottle out the window. <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying breaker, breaker and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Kurt Kurt goes into the classroom late at night to replace his part, and he and there's like rain on water on the floor, and uh, he holds a couple of wires, and uh-huh. he gets electrocuted. And, but luckily, uh, the rubber soles of his tennis shoes would protect him from this. Uh, could be. I think. Maybe he, that's why I think he, he actually. Die. I he's think he is that pretty hard. I think he's always wearing dress shoes in this movie, which I think is the craziest <laughs> choice. Well, also. <laughs> Also, uh, my girlfriend pointed out that he's always wearing the same sweater. Yeah. Like, everyone else changes clothes in the movie, and he briefly does when he becomes, I like, mean, more, like, famous and powerful. He, but He changes he's into some pretty snazzy clothes eventually. Yeah, but he's basically wearing the same sweater. Uh-huh. She was mostly interested in this movie for the costumes, which were uh-huh. a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of I mean, ascots and such. He yeah. uh he made I think that sweater has some import to him. It's just a, an important sweater because I don't I, th- I think I was looking up there's deleted scenes and there's a scene where he explains to someone that if they want to destroy his sweater they should just pull the thread as he walks away uh-huh. and it would yeah. leave him naked lying on the floor and they're like I don't want that to happen to you Dexter you're my friend he's like okay then I guess I'll just wear this sweater forever and yeah. it it's weird why they would to- remove that because the, I mean I guess it makes sense because this movie is uh, all killer no filler yeah and it pans over to a little baby with, with big chunky glasses on who goes goo goo gaga weezer and mm-hmm. that's of yep. course the actual Rivers Phoenix uh, Rivers Cuomo sorry not Rivers Phoenix <laughs> the actual Rivers Cuomo in a cameo as a baby so it's just a huge coincidence that he later wrote a song with those same lyrics in it and also like timing wise I guess that makes sense because uh, this movie came out in what 68 yeah, and I think he's he's what like seventy years old. <laughs> <laughs> there was, right. This was something that uh, my uh, former former whoa. Uh, sorry, I'm getting getting all crazy here. Uh, uh, former Flophouse guest Jenny Jaffe said to me once she realized that Weezer is dad rock now, and I'm like, I think it always kind of was dad rock. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Opinion so, stand. Do you want to? Talk Dan, about is, you want to take on that hot take about no, Weezer? I that don't. Dad rock? I don't want to do that at all. So. Um, <laughs> So, Kurt so Dan, been... so Dan, as you made it clear, that it's been raining. He got zapped, and oh then he got God, zapped why again. Why do you have to recap? I'm moving on. Because <laughs> I want to talk about him being zapped. Yeah, he got zapped and, and zapped he, again. And mm-hmm. uh, and then he's asleep in his dorm room, and he's sleep talking all this like computer nonsense. And uh-huh. there's beeps and boops going on <laughs> for some reason. Um, I think I know the reason. <laughs> yeah, and so finally, it's the day of this big standardized test. Uh huh. Kurt and his buddies are taking it, and uh-huh. Dexter, his character, suddenly knows everything. He's zooming uh-huh. through this test, and there again, there's beep noises as he thinks. Yeah. Like I don't know, like being electrocuted has somehow also imparted that to him. Um, it's turned his you know. brain into a computer, a computer yeah. that brace yourself, wears tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he finishes his test super fast, and then he like eats a sandwich really loud. <laughs> it's, 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 it's such a weird scene because it goes from being about how he finishes the test super fast to about how everything he's doing is loud and distracting to everyone else yeah. in the room. And this and is the like, loudest sandwich. Why'd you bring a sandwich with you to the test, Kurt? Well, but also like no sandwich has ever been this loud. It's like he's eating a sandwich filled with gravel. Like it's crazy how much the thing crunches. I don't know. Maybe he threw some potato chips on there. <laughs> yeah, to get some. Even those would have gotten soggy while he was taking the test. Oh yeah, I guess that makes sense. 
It's filled with like pork cracklings and stuff. <laughs> so uh, the dean, of course, thinks that he cheated on this test because he got everything right super fast. But Quigley doesn't think that he cheated. And I have in my notes, because question mark, question mark, question mm-hmm. mark. I mean, other than like he likes this kid, I don't know why. I think he yeah, just well, trusts- they, don't they like immediately take him to the doctor and they start examining him? Yes, I'm gonna get that to that right now. The doctor looks in his ears and shows them, and there's blinking computer lights inside <laughs> his ears. Uh, and then also, they do like an X-ray of his head, and there's yeah, like there's gambling stuff, stuff. And a bikini woman in like. I think it was like a banana car. Was, or something. Was like I thought weird... it was a bathtub car. A bathtub I was, car. I was waiting right. for that to pay off because I'm like, okay, computer parts in his brain. He's a computer, and there's gambling because mm-hmm. the computer's uh-huh. being used yeah. for gambling, and I guess the computer likes to visualize what it's thinking about. But then I never didn't understand why the bikini girl in a bathtub car. Bikini, Maybe that's just a sexual fantasy that was already in his brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just meant to be Dexter's normal thoughts that are still in there. Yeah, like, he's a budding know, surrealist. You saw, <laughs> like how you sometimes uh, see Homer's thoughts, and it's like. You know, a cartoon playing Turkey in the Straw or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, Dan, if you got zapped by that computer, they'd look into your mind and it'd be like a little bit of math and a little bit of gambling and then just like a parade of butts? Mm-hmm. A butt parade sounds terrific. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's make it happen. Let's get the permits today. <laughs> I'm to glad you're going all. through the the right channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because this is going to be down Fifth Avenue, right? The Canyon yeah. of Heroes. Oh, wow. That's not cheap. No. Oh, it's going to be ticker tape butt parade. Da- guys, can I take a moment to complain about something that happened during the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Sure, I, Let's I would love it. Let's put the brakes on this speeding car. And at the very beginning of it, the host says, that there, he's like, there are people here from all over the country, and that's what this day is all about, people coming together to enjoy the parade. And I was like, this holiday is not about the parade. Hold on a second. Like, this is, wait a minute. Don't, let's not go that far. And it just irked me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love the Macy's. Yeah, and it, that that speech was given by the owner of Macy's, William H. Macy's. <laughs> yeah, and you know he's just trying to get over the fact that his wife is a criminal now. So I understand it. Mm-hmm. I love that parade, but mostly for nostalgic reasons, <laughs> for, like the for idea the that peanuts I, characters. <laughs> what for the peanuts characters? Yeah, kind of. But like, I love you know when I was a kid, I watched it. I'm like, ooh, big balloons. But now I watch it, and I'm now I, you watch I, now I, you watch porn for the same reason. I watch it mostly to be amused by. The fact that it's like, okay, what NBC stars can we shoehorn in here? Because <laughs> NBC owns this property. Well, actually, uh, it was on CBS this year. Can you believe it? No, it wasn't. It was, was it? where I was. I, was uh, I don't think. CBS has its own parade. Mm, yeah, it's called the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. I was, was watching it and it had Al Roker on it. And Al Roker, I believe, is... Mm, an NBC maybe, personality. Maybe they had different. Maybe they had different coverage because I saw. I definitely saw the CBS version of it because right. there were a lot of stars from Evil. But uh, okay. The, but but also, point, like <laughs> it's like all your favorite corporate mascots are gonna be on a balloon coming down. <laughs> the, the Pillsbury Doughboy was going down the street, and Sammy was like, "Who's that?" And I'm like, "Oh, that's the Pillsbury Doughboy. He's this guy." And I'm like, "Who's just in commercials and he just sells." baked goods and all yeah. he is is a, is a corporate product and also when you poke him he goes hoo-hoo and Sammy was like I like him <laughs> and <laughs> well, he I was like cute. he is very cute but I was like oh yeah he has no there's there's literally nothing to him except trying to sell like toaster rolls and things like that like there's no he, he's not a he's not part from a movie or anything like that and it really struck me hard that guys I guess commercials are art when you look at it yes uh, I zoned out, so I hope I didn't agree with something dumb. Um, yeah, I mean, you basically, you you agreed to the premise of Mad Men. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Dexter's going to be on TV, and there's another presuming, presumably even more evil Dean mm-hmm. who wants to steal Dexter to his school. From state. The, from the state school. This is yeah. one of those movies where, like in Ghostbusters, where the people who work for a public utility or administration are the bad guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so professors from other schools quiz Dexter, and Dexter is very, getting more and more computer-like by the moment. At one point he says... Uh, we've wasted 38 seconds on applause already. Perhaps if we save the applause to the end, it will go more smoothly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start incorporating that bit into our live shows, I yeah. think. <laughs> and like this new cockiness of Dexter's turns his friends against him almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And he, it's like this, like, it's weird. It's, it's, he's barely more cocky. And they, who have presumably been friends with him for yep. you know a few years at this point, are like, fuck this guy. Wow, you're taking shoes. It's kind of weird that you're taking the side of the guy who becomes like a cocky, distant jerk over. <laughs> it's not like a, over his friends, like especially when, as you know, because as you know, because you've seen the movie, his friends save him from gangsters at the end at the risk of their own life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like you know that doesn't seem like. What would Dan you do, thinks guys? they're doing that for yeah, their you're own right. ends. That's the least they're I could just... do. If my friend was kidnapped by gangsters, the least I could do is solve the problem myself. <laughs> <laughs> go, with no training, go undercover and, and rescue him. Well, yeah. I mean, that's their stupidity. They could have enlisted professional help in this matter. Yeah, yeah if only right. they were all computers, too. Yeah, yeah then they'd know how to I feel like police. there should have been a subplot in this movie where one of the other kids tries to become a computer. <laughs> he, like, <laughs> he, like, electrocutes himself to death. But um, only Dexter okay. can do that in his laboratory. Wait a minute. Dexter's laboratory. Yeah. Now I get it. Maybe it was a pair of brothers, the Scolari brothers, perhaps, who were trying... Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. So Dexter gets off a plane, and this is very important. He's wearing a double-breasted pinstripe suit mm-hmm. with a turtleneck. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, he kisses two girls, and Annie gets mad, and I have girlfriend, question mark, because it's never really clear... <laughs> Whether they actually are involved or whether she's just jealous. Yeah, um, I mean, I think I think there's I think there's some kind of connection, whether or not it's been made official. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and uh, she, you'll gotta assume she's got a crush on him. He's Kurt Russell. He's very handsome. But I I would be inf- offended if I saw my friend who's starting to become a, conf- an, a condescending jerk get off a plane on TV and two women he's never met before walk up to him to hand him flowers just as a welcoming committee, and he immediately just starts macking on both of them in front of the camera, yeah. and mm-hmm. just because of the entitlement, you know, he's got that. He's got that computer wore tennis shoes entitlement that all computers with tennis shoes have that they yeah. can just do whatever they want without any consequences. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, normal computers with without tennis shoes are uh-huh. out there, you know, every day, like dealing with stuff that he can't even comprehend. Yeah. Well, what uh-huh. about a radio with bowling shoes? Talk to mm-hmm. him. Talk, find yeah. out about your privileged computer with tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. This this radio with bowling shoes is living a totally different America than you are. <laughs> So Dexter gets this ticker tape parade, which is hilarious because it cuts between stock footage of a ticker tape parade and a tight shot on the car where someone's throwing confetti at him and he's waving madly. (laughs) And then he goes to the UN and he's like just sort of standing around talking to world leaders in front of the UN. In different languages. Yeah. Anyway, so an encyclopedia CEO contacts the dean about uh, college like like an education bowl, like a quiz bowl thing. Uh-huh. It's called College Knowledge. And the other like evil dean wants him so they can win. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's a little far to call him an evil dean. Well, yeah, I maybe just from the perspective of our main dean, is he evil? Like, but 
you know, at, in, in he's still the hero of his own story, right? Yeah, it's so funny because the dean is set up in the first scene as as if he's going to be the bad guy. He doesn't yeah. like our heroes. He's denying the good professor his computer. And then this other dean comes in and is like, oh, he should come to my school, which has a lot more resources. And suddenly we're supposed to be like, no, I love the dean from Medfield. Medfield's yeah, a great school. I mean, it's the, the devil you know, you know. So good we point. return good to point. this, like, <laughs> it's not quite a montage. Let's call it a series of short scenes, just like showing Dexter's life changing. Mm-hmm. He's watching a giant diamond get cut. Oh, and yeah. he's like, I know how to cut this diamond. <laughs> and the diamond cutter's like very offended by this. And he tries to cut it and it shatters into a million little little pieces. Mm-hmm. That's a Which good is... way to show how much smarter he is. Yeah. Is, is use something that everyone's familiar with. The idea that it's hard to cut a diamond. <laughs> also, the idea that he must have, that, like, di- this is taking place in an alternate universe where diamonds are not the hardest substance known uh, to man. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, and, uh, then, and did you did you mention that we learned that Dexter has not yet registered for the spring semester? Oh, uh, right. Yeah, they it's, want. It's not certain that he's going to definitely go to Medfield next semester. Yeah. yeah. And we also see him at, at Cape Kennedy, where uh, there's a rocket going off and Cesar Romero calls him about a job in his organization. And he calls Ooh. him at the base, right? At the rocket yeah. base. <laughs> Put <laughs> so me through ca- to the computer who wears tennis shoes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, this is this is a local wealthy man. I'm a, I'm a businessman in the California area. Put me through to the most famous man in America who's at your rocket base watching a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the rocket's about to launch, and we brought him here to watch it for some reason. So, But yeah, okay, you can talk to him. Because there's, yeah. no, there's no punchline to this. They don't need him there. You just see footage of a rocket taking off. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, you know, he's doing smart stuff, like going to NASA. But anyway... So Dexter like uh, sort of blows off the dean to meet with Caesar Romero, and he go and Caesar Romero takes Dexter to the track, where uh, he's uh, Dexter suggests this long shot bet, and Macadoodle, the horse that <laughs> that he says should come uh, comes from way behind, and over the course of I assume the whole afternoon, Caesar Romero wins twenty eight thousand uh, dollars because oh, of wow. Dexter's picking the horses and like it seems that if dexter just has the information that was in caesar romero's computer in the first place uh like he should have been arno the caesar romero character should have been able to do this the whole time he doesn't need it to be transferred filtered through kurt russell's unique perspective Yeah. yeah i guess that makes sense you would also think that like the mafiosos who run the track would be like, uh, these guys are winning too much because of this kid. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should ban the computer brained kid. Mm-hmm. Now, and this is also much to the chagrin of Arno Cesar Romero's main henchman. Yeah, his other major main domo. Yeah, who's used to giving him horse tips. Now, now I, the t- horse's name is Macadoodle. That makes more sense. I thought his name was Market Doodle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know what kind of market has doodles. But I mean, horse names are always crazy, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, but- I don't think you can own a horse and you're like, oh, I'm going to name my horse Jeffrey. And everyone else will be like, <laughs> nope, you're not allowed. Nope, no, you I- got to name him Tangerine <laughs> Explosion. I think I misread it before. I think it's in between both what we both said. It's Marka Doodle. Uh, oh, Mark- that makes that, more that sense. Makes way Thank more you. sense. Named after the famous explorer, Marco Marka Doodle. <laughs> it's the father of Rockadoodle. Yeah. So, now, wait, now, let's take a moment. Guys, if you had a okay. horse, a racehorse, what would you name it? Uh, Dan's horse. Is. <laughs> okay, Dan, pushing the limits of the human imagination once again. <laughs> I bow to the sheer power of human creativity. <laughs> Dan, once again, you've shown that the, <laughs> the only power in the universe that cannot be overcome is that of 
of expression and art and creative uh, thinking. So Dan, thank <laughs> yeah. you for that. Dan's horse. Oh, I assume you're you welcome. thought. I assume whole you went. New, whole new, whole new vistas of perception open before me. <laughs> What's weird is Dan had to go into a hallucinogenic trance to talk to his spirit animal to go so uh-huh. far beyond the unexpected that he ended up at the most expected name. That's the that's the thing. It can only come from this fever state that Dan's in right now from his sickness. And now if he wants to tap into that, he's going to have to make himself sick every time. Yeah. And so, Stuart, what would you name your horse? Uh, man, probably Stuart's horse. <laughs> wow, this is... <laughs> Guys, I, I like. I'm blown away. I'm blown. I love what I'm hearing. I, I give you both A pluses. <laughs> uh, so both of these deans are keen on getting Dexter to roll for the next uh, semester. A couple of keen deans. Yeah, keen deans, and they're following. They, so they follow. That sounds him. like that sounds like a '50s all male like acapella group, the Keen Deans. Yeah, uh, they follow him to an illegal casino mm-hmm. called Garibaldi's because this movie is racist. The casino gets raided, and the deans wind up in a da- jail cell together. Mm-hmm. And as well as, uh, and in a different cell, Dexter and uh, Cesar Romero's henchman. They have a scene. I kept wanting this scene to be like the one in The Master when Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix are in those jail cells and they're just yelling at yeah. each other. Yep. And breaking toilets. <laughs> now- <laughs> and, but nary a privy is shattered in this movie. <laughs> Now, at this point, Dexter gets disillusioned about how everyone wants a piece of him. And the arc, the character arc of this movie has been so fast. Like, he becomes like a, a, a jerk, a mild jerk very quickly. We see a few scenes of that. And then he, like, repents very quickly. Now, and Dan, you have to realize was, this, this movie is only 91 minutes. And fully 40 minutes of that is the least fun chase scene in the history of movies. Well, that's what I was going to say. If I was going to be charitable, I would say, okay, this is 91 minutes long. They don't have a lot of space for, like, you know, like this character development. But then I think of all of the wonderful, marvelous pieces of entertainment out there that managed to pack amazing amounts of story and character into an equal amount of time. And I think... Shame on you, computer wear tennis shoes. <laughs> <laughs> or less. Um, this movie this movie is at least four times as long as the It's a Good Life episode of The Twilight Zone. Yeah. And it and it fails to reach those heights. Which I think also features uh the guy who plays Quigley. <laughs> <laughs> so Dexter's friends have come to bail him out. Yeah, they're pooling all their money to bail him yeah. out. Yeah, C- Cesar Romero has already bailed him out, but, but so he sees them bailing him out, and that convinces him to stay at the current school because he loves these people too much, and mm-hmm. he apologizes. And, and what was the name of that school again, Dan? Uh, Medfield. Mm-hmm. Right. Dex apologizes to Annie. Again, I apologize, maybe Dan. Maybe his asked, girlfriend. I asked you Who that, knows? assuming you would not have remembered the name. I apologize for underestimating you because you did remember the name. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, that's in Wait. my notes, but... So 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 yeah. Let's talk, so Dan. You're, at this point, you still think maybe it's his girlfriend. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, he specifically apologizes to her. I mean, it's a crazy time directly. in your life, man. Being in college. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. You're making your own rules. Why put labels on things? Yeah. Okay. So, like, hey, you're that computer that wore the tennis shoes. Hey, I don't like putting labels on things. Mm-hmm. Just so, call me Dexter, which I guess is also a kind of label. Oh though you may, though you may think in binary. Your relationships don't have to be, you know. <laughs> so that's that's a very open-minded, gender-fluid computer that you're portraying there, Stuart, and <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. 
So Dexter is uh, prepping for this quiz bowl. He's reading through a whole encyclopedia, Johnny Five style. Yep. And he, the dean has like names of a bunch of smart students he wants on the team. But Dexter picks his friends uh-huh. because I, I don't know why. He picks that Skyler dude who's, a re- yeah. <laughs> who's something else. So uh, they're, on the, they're in the quiz, and Dexter doesn't want to hog all the questions, so he tries to feed his friends the answers. Uh-huh. And they are such idiots that they can't apparently just hear an answer <laughs> and repeat it to the moderator. Yeah. So, uh, so they have some. Tr- they have a rocky start, but they still win, right? Now yeah, wait, they still I will, win. I will say, Dan, I have been in that exact situation. Mm-hmm. And I was on, <laughs> on a this quiz- podcast on this. Yeah, <laughs> but I was on my high school quiz bowl team. We were in a quiz bowl tournament, and the answer to a question it was this thing where it was like bird puns was the category, mm-hmm. and the answer to this one was. But it, it was the, one of these rounds where only the captain of the team could answer, and I was not the captain. Although mm-hmm. I eventually took an Uzi and yeah, pointed at him, and I said, "I'm the you captain don't, you now." Don't, yeah, you don't have the 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 force of charisma to be a captain, Elliot. Yeah, I guess you know in that movie wasn't Uzi. It was probably an AK-47. No, it was like anyway, a, just a it was rifle, like, like a collision. Oh, it wasn't even an automatic weapon. No, it's an automatic rifle. Or like a bowcaster like, or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bowcaster or a, or a rifle. Yeah, let's look yeah. it up. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, a bat left. It was a it was a slingshot with an acorn full of gunpowder. Yeah. Uh, so. He was so I the answer to this one question was eat crow. That was the phrase. And yeah. the captain was try, was like, I don't know, what is it? And I was like, eat crow. And he's like, E crow? No, eat crow. Like the phrase. E crow? I don't understand. What are you telling me? And I was so frustrated. I was like, How are you a high school student who is the captain of this academic team and you've never heard the phrase eat crow before? Come on, man. So I mm-hmm. understand it's very very frustrating. But guys, here's where this movie made a big mistake. Okay. Because it works on commission. Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> so their final category is the work of Marcel Duchamp. Uh-huh. This is when my ears prick up because I happen to be a particular aficionado of Marcel Duchamp. And uh-huh. I may be wrong about this, but uh seems to me they identified one of his paintings as Nude Descending a Staircase, when in fact that painting's title is Nude Descending a Staircase Number 2. Dexter, your team is disqualified. Get the fuck off the college knowledge set. Guys, were you you as mad as I was that this 1960s Disney movie failed to completely (laughs) accurately relay the title of the painting that was the hit and also scandal of the Armory Show of 1913? You know what? I'm going to cancel my subscription. You just (laughs) added new depth to the, the scene where his friends just can't get it. Like, they have to accept that they are not smart. And yeah. that's kind of how I feel right now. <laughs> yeah. So the evil dean is like, or the other dean, let's call him the other dean, since he, yes, he's not that evil. Yeah, let's, he call, wants, him, let's call him state school dean. State uh, school dean. Which in wants, any other movie would make him the hero of the movie. <laughs> wants Dexter's dean to withdraw Dexter because it's unfair. Which uh, is, is right. It's, uh, he, it's the Teen Wolf logic. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cesar Romero is watching these fi- the finals. I wish there were scenes of the state school dean electrocuting his students trying to get one of them to have a computer <laughs> That's what I was saying. That's what this movie needs. <laughs> Let's just, we've got to replicate them. How many students have we electrocuted? 79. What are the results? 50 of them died. Mm-hmm. Keep going. We need to win college knowledge <laughs> and that encyclopedia money. Yeah, he, he goes down to the basement. It's just filled with uh, coffins of Hugh Jackman's body. <laughs> the cloning machine works great. I don't care about the cloning machine. Clone one with a computer in his brain. So, Cesar Romero is watching the Quiz Bowl finals, 
and he's like, oh, man, we missed out on this guy. We should have him in the our organization. And Dexter answers a question where the answer is Applejack, which, like, causes him to start spouting Cesar Romero's private casino info. Cause yeah, it's it like a triggered. fugue state. He yeah. Applejack was one of the code words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess Cesar I assume Mar- I assume the question was what breakfast cereal was sold for years despite nobody liking it. No, it was about the liquor ac- Applejack. Oh, so not but... about the cereal Applejacks. Yeah, no, no, no. Because they were like, what do kids love? They love apples and they love the game Jacks. What if mm-hmm. we can combine them into one amazing cereal? Yeah, yeah, that that chokes people. Yeah, exactly. Much okay. like with with Fruit Loops, they were like, kids love fruit. They love misspelling mm-hmm. things, and they love loops. They like to close loops, like in the hit book, Getting Things Done, where they talk about closing work loops. Kids love mm-hmm. that. So let's combine them into one cereal. Now, who would be the best spokesman for this thing? It's fruit, it's loops, a toucan, of course. Nothing mm-hmm. says fruit and the shape of a loop like a toucan. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kids love the cold. They like it when it's a snow day and they don't uh-huh. have school. Frosted, when things are frosted. And kids love flakes. Just shake their, just scratch their head. It's full of dandruff. They love those <laughs> so flakes. Many flakes. And so frosted flakes. Well, what says to me, ooh, sugar frosted uh-huh. yeah. skin flakes? Uh, a tiger, of course. Sure, yeah. Yes, a tiger. Yeah. Now, we're going to need some kind of slogan that tells people that the cereal is great. We can't just uh-huh. come out and say they're great. Wait, yeah. why can't um, we? Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. Now here's um, wait, here's my scene from the Mad Men episode that never got made about Frosted Flakes. Okay. They're, it's, yeah. they're up all night trying to figure out a slogan for the for this cereal. And he's like, mm-hmm. Well what what do we think about them? Uh they're frosted, sugary, uh, crunchy. Yep. Uh, what if we said they're crunchy? No, it doesn't work. That's wrong. Well, I mean they're just they're great. Sure. Hold on. Yeah. Say that again. What did mm-hmm. you just say? I said they're great. <laughs> wait, but you were coughing when you said it. Mm-hmm. So the grr got extended. But we need a spokesman who could extend a grr for a length of time. Who mm-hmm, should it be? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Some kind of a wolf? No, no, no. Wolves howl. They don't growl. Uh, like a bear? Mm-hmm. It can't be a bear. Remember, yeah. there's already Smokey Bear, and he's a nightmare to work with. Uh-huh. He's a huge mm-hmm. prima donna. Well, what yep. if it was like a tiger? A real mm-hmm. tiger? Sure. That people would, what, people would, it would eat the children. No, no. What about mm-hmm. a cartoon tiger? A cartoon tiger. You mean like Cool Cat, the crappiest mm-hmm. Looney Tunes cartoon there ever was? No, 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 not like mm-hmm. Cool Cat yeah. at all. He's the worst. Okay, a cartoon tiger, but oh, he's going to have sure. to, so he's naked? No, he has like a scarf around his neck, like an ascot. Okay, mm-hmm. you sold me yeah. on it. Okay, well, I mean, that's pretty good. It needs 90% more Don Draper talking about growing up around prostitutes. But <laughs> yes. He gets into the Frosted Flakes meeting, and he's like, you know, Frosted is a Greek word meaning I have a sad life. <laughs> I uh, and it's I'm glad you brought up neckerchiefs because in this movie the neckerchief for Dexter Kurt Russell's character kind of represents his like hubris, <laughs> and he has it wrapped around his neck when he is in his like primo cocky villain mode, but he removes it when he decides no I want to support my friends. But go yeah. on, yeah. yeah the so neckerchief. To- I think the neckerchief represents the noose that is knowledge because knowledge. Once you have knowledge of the world, inevitably you have knowledge of your own mortality. And mm-hmm. so in a way, he is casting off that noose and saying, no, I shall live, and I'll be young. And it's I will like, refuse to look into the future. So Odin. Uh, Cesar Romero panics because Dexter is saying all this stuff on the air. He shuts down his casinos. He asks, he asks his henchman to kidnap Dexter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Annie reports Dex is missing the next day, and Annie and Pete start listening to a to a tape of Kurt's weird Applejack ramblings to try and figure out what's happening. Yeah, to and find the hidden messages. They realize that the computer's info was transferred to Dex's brain, 
and uh, they they uh, tell one of his idiot friends. Yeah, that's to go this to is the my police. favorite scene of the movie is when they have figured out the whole plan and Skyler walks up <laughs> and he's like, "Hey guys, hey guys, <laughs> hey guys," and they eventually acknowledge him. And then they explain the whole plot to him, and I'm like, "This is this is not going to work out." <laughs> and of course, it, we then cut to a police station where the police are listening to the tape, listening to Skyler's insane ramblings. And then he go, he they're like, "Okay, see you later." And he wanders off. And maybe it was because I saw the Irishman just uh, like a day or two before, but I kind of felt like these guys were going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like it seems like okay, like the point of the scene is this guy's an idiot. Like he's rambling, like this message is not going to get across to the police. But then later on, it seems like the police did understand him. Yeah. So I, just, I mean, I that's think, the joke. That's the joke at the end of the movie. Yeah, I yeah, guess they, they just they just distrusted. The, it's he's a real Jar Jar Binks. Look, you don't get Emperor Palpatine without a handy fool, fool like Jar Jar Binks to put him in that place, and you don't get the unbelievably exciting house painting climax of this movie without mm-hmm. Skylar being a moron who confuses the police. Yeah. Uh, okay, so P and Annie follow one of the goons. They find uh, Dexter uh, being forced to pick winners and, you know, whatever. They're coaxing him to pick winners by giving him chicken out of a very nice bucket. <laughs> like an overflowing bucket of chicken. And it's a bucket that looks like the kind of, like, plastic ice bucket you would have at a, a hotel. I mean, <laughs> Does it not works... look like a, like a disposable bucket. It works for me. I would give up. A horse was track this, winners. This must have been this must have been back in the day where you would go to a chicken place with your own bucket and you'd be like, fill it up, sir, and they fill it up because you know, <laughs> yeah. once again, it's just like how Kurt Russell only has one sweater. This is a different time, guys. This is yeah. when we didn't live in a disposable culture. Yeah, it's more where you would buy a sweater, throw it out yeah. the next day, and buy a new sweater. No, no. This would be like if you were if you were going to Kentucky Fried Chicken, you would dress up. This was a night out. Uh-huh. You would, a, men would wear a tie and a jacket. Women mm-hmm. would wear pearls, and you would go, and it was like you know the old plantations of yore. And you would, uh, it would be a taste of uh. kind of like taboo luxury because it was built on evil. But at the same time, who wouldn't want to live that more uh, sedentary lifestyle of? Uh, not if it's built on the backs of uh, slave labor. Elliot. Yeah, I mean, well, that's that they got to have the fantasy without the cruel cruel reality of it but anyway at the time kentucky fried chicken was you know it would be a place you'd go on your anniversary not like now when kfc is a place that you throw a cat through the window of because you're so (laughs) you're so dismissive of it okay well anyway the gangsters are gonna get as much juice out of dex as they can and then they're gonna dump him in navajo lake which seems like a kind of a grim development for the tone of this movie otherwise. Uh-huh. But, uh, so, I mean, but they, are they definitely going to kill him or they're just going to, as a prank, just throw him in the lake? <laughs> oh, maybe that's it. Maybe they're just, you know. And gonna, I mean, they do talk about what they're going to do with the body. <laughs> I mean, you don't refer to t- doing something with someone's body if they're alive, right? Uh, yeah, usually true. not. I guess that's true. Uh, maybe they're going to take the head because that's where the computer is. and just, So uh, you're... He's portable, and they'll just that, throw the body away. That song about your body being a wonderland, he's mm-hmm. talking about a corpse? A cor- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. That's... I mean, who, who but a corpse would sit there and listen to that song? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So, okay, the kids... Oh, and also that I'm in love with your, the shape of you, I'm in love with your body song. Oh, that's yeah. about a corpse. Uh-huh. Wow, this is all... Wow. This is opening oh, up a whole new some, world of let's necrophilia and popular music. some more fucking adult contemporary bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, the, the, his friends are going to save him. They're going to pretend to be house painters. The <laughs> clear, clearest... Uh, you know, plan, and yep. uh, they show up saying, like, oh, we're here to paint the house, and the goon's like, hmm, let me check on this. <laughs> I didn't order any house painters, and he calls the number, uh-huh. and they confirm that they're house painters. Uh-huh. Uh, another friend on the other side. It's like the Art Vandalay Seinfeld uh-huh. trick. <laughs> yeah, like, they're house painters. Okay. Right. It's like, well, even though we didn't hire them, I guess you're professionals, so go to town, everybody. I'll pay you're- you whatever you agree is, is the right thing to be billed. I like the guy. There's one of the guys is wearing. They're all wearing coveralls because uh, they're painters, and that's part of the costume. And you gotta, you know, you gotta wear the costume, and we're getting to the character. Uh, and underneath his coveralls, he's still wearing a turtleneck. Yeah. <laughs> so back at the quiz show, uh, Dexter's dean is freaking out and accuses the other dean of of doing something. And the other dean is pretty smug for like not actually having anything to do with the scheme here's my guess the other dean did have a scheme to kidnap dexter and he thinks that it went like a charm oh i see oh yeah so he thinks that he did it so uh the painters the the fake house painters are funneling (laughs) paint into the gangster's car's uh uh, gasoline Mm -hmm. tanks and, and they're currently painting the house orange and green. Yeah. And Cesar Romero shows up and is understandably upset about his crime house being swarmed by painters mm-hmm. who like painting are doing the, the most worst job. <laughs> painting it so obvious. Like even even people who are not professional house painters can paint a house better than what they're doing. <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah. It's all fair, in like patches to, of different colors. To be fair, they're not really trying to paint the house. <laughs> I think they're, they're not like, hey, as long as we're doing this, let's do it right. This is this is all just a cover, so they're not trying that hard. Yeah. But hey, they're missing a, the scene they should have had here, and this would have fit into that Joker prequel idea, is if uh-huh. one of them was so sloppy that they had a big house brush full of white paint and they just slapped Cesar Romero in the face with it, and even yeah. painting over his mustache, mm-hmm. yeah, creating so, the Joker w- look. Wait, well, wait speaking- does the Joker, does the Joker have paint on his face? <laughs> uh uh uh, have you seen the Joker? <laughs> yeah. No, I haven't. It's in the movie theaters, and I only watch things from the comfort of my own home. Oh, fair. Good point. Fair. Good point. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of Cesar Romero, he's like, uh, henchman, what's going on with all these painters? And the guy's like, no, I called a phone number. They're cool. And Cesar Romero's <laughs> like, let me try. And so he calls the number, which is like a public phone at the dorm. And this real dick of a student answers it. And just kind of fucks with Cesar Romero for a while and blows the whole thing. I think he's the real hero of the movie. Yeah. So the gangsters try and sneak Dexter out of the house in a trunk. Mm-hmm. But the house painters actually accidentally shove it out a window. Uh-huh. And they start, like, blasting these dudes with paint. It's like yeah. a fucking... It's like the video game Splatoon. <laughs> and in the, in the fall, Dexter hits his head, which I presume is the uh, the cause of what happens later on. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, so they escape, and the gangsters can't follow because of uh, the uh, gas in the... Or the paint in the gas mm-hmm. tank. So they follow in a, like a dune buggy. <laughs> yeah, like a little jalopy covered in flower stickers. Yeah. Now, was that theirs, or was that one of the students? How did that get there? I don't know. Well, like, it's just like, this is one of the Disney live-action movie wacky chases. Yeah, yeah. Do they so steal like, it from one of the, like, wacky, wacky racers chase. or something? 
Yeah, that's just like I guess in the Disney world, live action world, dune buggy, brightly painted dune buggies are just everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the kids almost make the car skid out by like putting paint on the road. Yep. They're like throwing stuff at the gangsters. With there's a great little touch where they make the car skid out, and it uh, you can see there's a sign uh, next to the road that says "slippery when wet," and you're like, okay, I guess it checks out. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, movie did the math, and the and the, the and the jazz score is just screaming over this yeah, whole chase sequence. There's more bad rear screen projection, and the gangsters like crash, and they get launched through a haystack, so just their heads are popped out on the other side. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, and the cops show up, because they and actually follow up. And of course, if this up. was a modern movie, then a cow would have shat all over their faces. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. But seeing as this is a 60s Disney movie, that did not happen. Mm-hmm. So the kids get Dexter out of the trunk, and he's his head is ringing, and he can't straighten his legs because he's been all cramped up in that trump trunk and they take him into the quiz mm-hmm. and now Dexter's starting to have a hard time with answers he's beginning to forget his this is the end part of flowers for Algernon yeah, as he yeah. re 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 stupidifies himself and uh, very tasteful way to put that Dan well <laughs> that's a very sensitive way yeah to that's put that. he, he took he lifted that from the Wikipedia summary of flowers for Algernon <laughs> yeah <laughs> Now, and here's, and when he's, so he's having trouble answering the questions, and he kind of has to force the answers out of his throat in this croaking, like, struggling sound. And I think it's, is it supposed to be funny? Because it sounds like he's having a series of strokes. And I was yeah. really worried about Dexter. Like, it sounded like yeah. he was in pain. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he's, you know, he's, this is taking all of his energy until finally he passes out like a dying computer. And Is they that get what happens the, to dying computers? They pass out? They pass uh-huh. out. <laughs> Well, I personify all my electronics, mm-hmm. Elliot. That's why when your computer I, when your computer breaks, you just throw water on it and go, "Wake up, wake up!" <laughs> yeah, I put some uh, smelling salts under <laughs> yeah. the computer. You're just slapping it in the face lightly. Hey, hey, don't fall asleep. You might have a concussion, computer. You're forcing black coffee into the computer speaker. Like, come on, snap out of it. Medfield is neck and neck with the other team. Uh, they get down to the last question, and one of Dexter's non-computer teammates knows an answer for once at the last second uh-huh. and they win the the thing which i guess comes with money that helps the college yeah that they're going to spend on uh plumbing they went they get a hundred thousand dollars from the encyclopedia company because this was the 60s encyclopedia companies were flush with cash before yeah. the internet kind of put them out of business and the gangsters show up covered in paint and they start trying to get decks again but uh the police arrest them and at the end of the scene, it's a cyclical movie. We're back where we started in a meeting <laughs> where Quigley is back to ask for a piece of equipment, this time a electroheliospectrograph. Uh-huh. And uh, Annie says to Dexter, if we ever get one, don't fool around with it, okay? And that's the story of the computer that wore tennis shoes mm-hmm. as written in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Was that the case? <laughs> yep. So, Dan, you were really excited to watch this movie. How did uh-huh. it hold up in your... Uh, you saw it as a kid, and you were like, I love it. I'm going to base my life on it. I'm always going to wear tennis shoes, and I'm going to beep yeah. and boop. And I'm gonna, if I go up to a woman getting off a plane, I'm just going to kiss her you know, on television. So how did it hold You're up You're going to own a singular sweater. Just <laughs> um, Well, I will say this. I, uh, like, it was, I think it was last night... Uh-huh. My girlfriend was like, "Oh, did we ever watch the movie for the the sh- podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, we watched it." <laughs> <laughs> Computer wore tennis shoes. She's like, "Oh yeah, 
But I understand because, like, if I did not have these notes, I would not remember a damn thing about this movie. <laughs> like, uh-huh. uh, let's get into final judgments: good, bad movie, bad, bad movie, movie kind of like. I, I'll keep talking. I like it. It feels like a TV movie much more than like a normal movie, and it feels like like sort of a notion for a movie more than mm-hmm. an actual film. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I would say it's bad, bad with the caveat that like, I still kind of enjoyed it on a certain level. And, you know, if you have a child who, mm-hmm. you know, like you could do worse, <laughs> like there's nothing <laughs> like particularly offensive. Like it would distract them for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they wouldn't want to watch it in this modern world where there's many better <laughs> children's. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, I mean, Paw Patrol would stand. But anyway, that's, that's what I have to say about that. This movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd certainly give this movie, I don't know, a Disney, two Disneys. Okay. What's sure. the scale? So is that good or is that bad? I mean, it's Disney. <laughs> so is this Disney Plus or just Disney? There's no plus? Oh, oh it's always plus. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, a, uh, if you're a fan of Kurt Russell uh, and you want to see an <laughs> old you'll movie with him, I mean, you're not going to love it. I'm, I'm under no illusions of that. If you liked, if you loved Escape from L.A., you'll love the computer wore tennis shoes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not particularly good. I don't think there's any real reason to watch it. It does. Yeah, it feels like a this movie probably accomplishes what it set out to do, which is to make something that will occupy a child for a certain amount of time so that their parents can run errands mm-hmm. or finally have a quiet, intimate moment for physical affection yeah. or, you know, like, or just take a moment to take a nip of something intoxicating so mm-hmm. they can get through the rest of the day with this crazy kid who just needs yeah. to be occupied for a little bit of time. But yeah. uh, it'll fill a Sunday afternoon time slot. Yeah, but it is, I, I agree, Dan, it feels, it really feels like a, a TV movie and, I was hoping that it was going to be crazier than it was. Every time the yeah. movie starts to get really silly, it pulls back, and uh, probably due to budget reasons. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it fits into our usual ratings. I didn't really like it, but it's not that bad. But it's not like super silly fun, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I feel like that probably falls into the bad bad, but whatever. No, I think you know. What? I'm going to go with <clears throat> Stewart's on this one. I'm going to say it's a Disney. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We interrupt the podcast you're listening to to tell you about another podcast. That's right. We got this with Mark and Hal. That's correct, Mark. This is Hal. We do the hard work for you, settling all of the meaningless arguments you have with your friends. So tune in every week on the Maximum Fun Network for We Got This with Mark and Hal. And all your questions will be asked and answered. You're welcome. All right. That's enough of that. We got this. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor. I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases. I ask them questions. They're good ones. And then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, 
my dad has been forced to retire one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a floby, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. All right, let's uh, take a moment to honor our sponsors. <laughs> honor <Yeah>. them? <laughs> <laughs> honor them with an ad. Yeah, let's t- take, your, take your hat off, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should be standing right now, yeah. Flophouse uh, <laughs> is sponsored uh, in part by Squarespace. Uh, Squarespace allows you to turn your cool idea into a new website, blog, or publish content, mm-hmm. sell products and services of all kinds or pretty much anything else you would desire your website to do. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful customizable templates created by world-class designers with everything optimized for mobile right out of the box, a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions and free and secure hosting. Uh, no, you did a great job with that, Dan. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you very yeah, much. Did, that was wonderful. You really honored them. I want you to go to squarespace.com slash flop mm-hmm. for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code flop to now, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. Uh, Dan, I had an idea for a, uh, for a website, and I was hoping I was wondering if Squarespace could help me. Uh, now, most likely. It strikes me that this movie, it opened up a world of marketing opportunities and a uh-huh. and a demographic that I never thought of before. Sure. This computer wore tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. How often have you seen a computer with shoes on it? Well, that's a good point. Almost never. And yet, clearly, the appetite is there. And mm-hmm. there's already a shoe company called Zappos, and yet, as uh-huh. far as yeah. I know, it has nothing to do with somebody being zapped with electricity and, be, nope. and switching places with a computer. And uh-huh. so I think there should be a website called therealzappos.com where mm-hmm. we sell shoes for computers. Now, here's sure, the thing. Yeah. Every time you buy a pair of shoes at therealzappos.com, <laughs> yeah. we will donate a pair of shoes to a needy <laughs> computer in another country. Here's another idea, guys, for a website uh-huh. based oh, wow, on this Kurt. movie. Okay, so Kurt Russell got a computer in his brain, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It stands to reason Kurt Russell's brain is trapped in that computer right now. That this was a real vice versa 18 again like father, like son, trading places, brain switcheroo. Wacky Wednesday. In trading places, they didn't switch brains, right? Uh, no, I think they trade uh, the places they're in, not <laughs> okay. the brains in their bodies. <laughs> they're not trading the place that their brain is in. No, I mean, their brains remain in the same place. Okay, so we got a, this is a company. It's called, hey, my brain is trapped in a computer, help me, dot com. And uh-huh. this website would be for people whose brains are trapped in computers. It'll be easy mm-hmm. to log on because their brain is already in a computer. And they can yep. notify us. We mm-hmm. will then notify their next of kin that their brain is trapped in a computer and that oh, they should okay. do something about it. Yeah. That's, uh, that sounds pretty helpful, Elliot. So think of it as a way to notify the people who are important in your life that your brain uh-huh. is trapped in a computer. <laughs> that's, hey, my brain is trapped in a computer.com. You can easily remember it because of the jingle. Hey, where's mm-hmm. my brain? It's not in my head. It's trapped in a computer.com. Yeah. That's uh, like a subscription service, right? Yes, very much it's so. It's like an insurance. So you, you, you're you making sure in case your brain gets trapped in a computer, you know, 
Hey, you, know this, Dan, you know what I'm talking I about, know right, what you're Dan? Talking in about. this modern world, you got to be prepared for anything. Who knows Any what can happen? Yeah. And it seems like everything is computers these days with the beeps and the boops and the kids mm-hmm. with the screens and everything. Mm-hmm. So, yep. hey, my brain is trapped in a computer.com. Again, uh-huh. there's that jingle that I just said. It's very memorable. Hey, where's my brain? <laughs> it's not in my head. It's trapped in a computer.com. So I'm starting to regret sending the only Jumbotron we have to uh, Elliot this Hey, everybody. Week it's Jumbotron because, time. Because he was talking so much just now. Stuart, is there something uh-huh. you want to say in between times that might like, yeah. give us a little breather? Wow. Uh, guys, I, uh, I guess I have something prepared here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't have to. I have always wanted to have your attention for just a minute. Starting from the top. Let's get going. Um, okay. Uh, before I start, Dan, did you have anything you wanted to go over? Uh, yeah, I will. I want to say thank you to Erica, who uh, has been worried about the fact that I always seem to be sick on the podcast. This is very of the moment. So Erica, to help my immune system, sent me some elderberry syrup that um, theoretically helps uh, bolster the old immune system and i'm supposed to take a teaspoon a day and i'll tell you it is delicious unlike most (laughs) medicine elderberry syrup is delicious mostly because it's probably just berries and sugar but Mm, yeah yeah. elderberry has been used apparently for centuries in uh in medicine yeah that's why it's elder it's very old centuries so i guess that's all the time i have elliot i guess it's your time to (laughs) uh jump hey everybody it's jumbotron time time for the biggest of trons Jumbo, jumbo, the biggest size that trons come in these days. Maybe someday we'll see the fabled ultra jumbotron. A tron even bigger than a jumbotron. Ultra size, ultra size, ultra jumbotron. Ultra jumbotron, he's here to save the world. Monsters attack our cities. But ultra jumbotron is here. He's a friend to children, a friend to animals. Ultra jumbotron, be dear. It's ultra jumbotron brought to you by Fujikawa Hakawi Industries. So our Jumbotron today... Oh, I kind of like that one. Yeah, <laughs> that one's not bad. Okay, so uh, the call to action is, hey, this is about Cellmates Podcast. I want you to find Cellmates Podcast on your podcast delivery system of choice and at mm-hmm. cellmatespodcast.com. Let me explain. Quick, what's your favorite animated movie about a fractured relationship that's fixed by someone turning into an animal? If you have an answer, you should be listening to Cellmates Podcast. Cellmates, with one L, C-E-L, Mates, is a show where hosts Kate Phillips and Dick Ward compare, contrast, and generally throw a Venn diagram over two animated movies. We tell you how the afterlife of Coco compares to that of Spirited Away. We discuss whether Stitch or the Iron Giant is the more lovable killing machine. So, that's Cellmates. Find the Cellmates Podcast, C-E-L, Mates, on your podcast delivery system or at cellmatespodcast.com. Okay. Hey, do you no, hear that sound? It's the rumbling sound of a Jumbotron walking away. <laughs> Jumbotron time is over. And now that Jumbotron has his own business to deal with, it's personal, it's private, and he doesn't feel the need to explain it to you. Bye, Jumbotron. I love you. I uh, I feel like we encouraged him by saying nice things about the first. <laughs> <laughs> <That's all. laughs> Diminishing returns. I feel like you guys are. I feel like you guys get the worst of me because. uh, So for the iPodius podcast, I've been recording with John Hodgman, which will Uh hopefully be finished and released before the end of the year. Does he not? Does he not have patience for your malarkey? No, no. He well, he does not. So I do less of it. But also, I recently performed a song on it that I wrote ahead of time, and I feel like I am betraying you guys by just giving you the off the top of my head songs. 
Whereas the song that I wrote for that one, I actually sat down and wrote the lyrics the night before. And it's a parody of a real song, so it has an actual tune. Oh, okay. Uh, let's move on to letters. Okay, okay. From listeners like you. The first letter is from Daniel, last name withheld. McCoy. Who writes, I'd like to start, uh, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I'll just skip the part where. No. I forgot to edit out the part where he says he likes the show, which I try and do. Wait, no, no, but no, but I, you did edit it just now by saying blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you, you gave it such yada, a, yada, yada. It had such a dignified opening. <laughs> and then immediately it was, you were so dismissive. It's like, uh, the uh, <laughs> if the president was coming out to do the State of the Union, and on the news they're like, and okay, there's the sergeant at arms. He's announcing the president. Now the president is ascending to the podium, and he is beginning to shuffle his papers. And okay, and now the State of the Union here is the president. And he's just going to say a bunch of bullshit. Let's cut away. Mm-hmm. That's what that was like. Uh, okay, sorry. Uh, to give Daniel last name withheld the respect he deserves, I'll start over here. Okay. Um, Daniel wants to know if we have experienced some form of entertainment or media that was good, bad, but wasn't a movie. Surely movies are the richest vein, but it's something I found to be uh, elsewhere, too. For example, the Sonic racing game, Sonic R for the Sega Saturn, is a good bad game in my opinion, as running into walls over and over again as low poly Sonic and listening to the cheesy soundtrack is enjoyable slash humorous, but not the same type of enjoyment you'd find in an actually great game. What are some good bad games, music, books, or other you've experienced? Thanks for the laughs, Daniel. The first thing that came to my mind is I have a couple of copies of collections of Fletcher Hanks comics. This guy with anger problems who wrote uh, superhero comics sort of early on in, like when superhero comics were not such a thing and people were still figuring out what they were (laughs) and there was a much lower barrier to entry to uh, write and draw them. And they're all these like horrible power fantasies where like the su- one of the superheroes like twists uh <laughs> twists the gangster's necks around into like weird shapes or turns them into skeletons or something and Is that what Stardust the Wizard does? Yeah, basically. And like I don't know, it's it, they're they're so hard to explain. They're like what someone again with an anger problem might draw if someone vaguely explained the notion of what superheroes are to them. Yeah. Uh, and they're not pleasurable in the normal way, but they're fascinating. Yeah, this is a hard one. Like, I feel like movies work so well because they're such a like short, finite thing that you can get, you can like enjoy a dumb thing, and you know it's going to be over soon. Like, I've tried to read books that I knew were not going to be very good. Like. I I tried to read the Da Vinci Code as fast as possible once, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean it, it was it was took far too long, and then it's tough to also like, and like with like with uh, music for instance, like there's stuff that there's a lot of times where you'll start listening to something almost ironically, and then pretty quickly realize no, I actually like this dumb song, or I like this song about battling wizards or whatever. Uh, so I I. I don't really have many good answers, unfortunately. No, I think that's a fine stance to take. I was actually Fletcher Hanks was someone I was going to mention too, but 
in along a similar vein, uh, there's the mystery author Harry Stephen Keeler, who was writing mostly in the 30s or so, the 20s and 30s, so, but I guess for a while. And uh, one of his books, The Riddle of the Traveling Skull, was uh, re-released by McSween's a while ago. And his writing is bonkers, and his mysteries make no sense. It's uh, in the, I think it's in the book X Jones of Scotland Yard that... Uh, the murders the murderer's identity is revealed in a footnote on the last page <laughs> that after that uh, it turn when it turns out that the flying strangler baby that the police suspect is actually a midget disguised as a baby who has a tiny little helicopter so he doesn't leave footprints when he kills people but uh he wrote such books as the face of the man from saturn the case of the transparent nude the spectacles of mr cagliostro uh the man with the magic eardrums uh and his writing is is bonkers and crazy and he wrote tons of books just like constantly uh and so his writing is occasionally problematic as I'm sure any m- much writing from that time is. But, I mean, uh, using the term midget is problematic. Is, yeah. Shouldn't it be little person? That's true. I sh- it should be little person. And uh, But his his books are just crazy. So, All right. Uh, moving on to a letter from George, last name withheld, who writes, Hey, Peaches, what up, what up? I happen to really like the Zebra model F301 pen. Uh, it's both uh-huh. sleek and sturdy while still being easy on the pocketbook. Under $3. I hope this is not uh, buzz marketing. But anyway, for these reasons and others, it's a popular pen. So popular that I find I notice it being used in films and TV shows frequently, and I get a little jazzed up when I see it. Uh-huh. You all seem to write a lot. <laughs> yeah, you you look down at your pen, and you're like, I didn't know you were in the pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You all seem to write a lot. While I understand that much writing is done on computers these days, I would still be interested to hear which pens you all prefer. Just one more thing. Are there any other objects that you have a particular affinity for and thusly are pleased to see in media? Well, see you later. George, last name withheld. I like there's a type of pen called Espresso. It's like, it's it's called... <laughs> uh, it's Nespresso, Dan. Espresso. <laughs> It's like a very fine tipped. It's like a porous point pen. It's like it gives you a black line that like is similar to a really fine point uh, felt tip, but it's it's like a harder point. It's uh-huh. not does not have that felt point, and uh, it's what I used to draw with for many years, and I still prefer to get them to to write with. And as to other objects, I have some kind of retro like. You know, like scotch glasses that have etched kind of squares on the side. And I remember seeing them on Mad Men and feeling very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you you would lean over to the person you're watching Mad Men with and you're like, those are my glasses. (laughs) I, uh, well, uh, any affinity I used to have for Mortimer Ichabod Penn is now gone. But uh, I... No, you know, I, I'm a sucker for Bic mechanical pencils, like the just, you know, the multicolored, uh, like, clips, the little plastic ones where you just, you know, you click the uh, eraser part. And then I would say, uh, oh, and when I was making my own comics, I was always a huge fan of using crow quill pens, you know, the where you dip in the India ink, just because it was yeah. a skill that I had to teach myself and that when I got... Uh, when I got pretty functional, I would never say good, but when I got functional with it, I felt like this is a skill that I've learned and now I want to practice it and use it. Yeah, those are definitely ones you have to practice on, but once you 
get uh, at least somewhat adept. You can get great variety of line, and it's good for cross-hashing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a very nice pen. I have no opinions about pens. So I guess when you guys start the spin-off, <laughs> the ink house, it could just be the mm-hmm. two of you, and you won't have to deal with my my nonsense. Uh-huh. Okay. I feel like that we would mine a very uh, specific niche <laughs> that is probably underserved in the podcast. <laughs> I, think, I think it's funny that I mean, you're I, the... I'm probably an asshole, and there's probably like some really good-ass calligraphy podcasts out there. <laughs> I think it's funny that you're the one with the least opinion about it, because you're also the one who carries a notebook around with himself and uses it most frequently to jot down notions. Well, that's the thing. I, use the, I, I write so much with pens that I just get cheap pens. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to spend a lot of money on pens because I go through them so fast. I always have at least two to three pens in my pocket at any given time because people are always borrowing them and not giving them back. But I just get, like, real cheap pens that are irritating to use because I don't want to spend a lot of money on them. Hmm. Interesting. Last letter. From Monty, last name withheld. Python. Who says, Hello, Peaches. I recently became a high school custodian and has made me aware that we are typically either unseen, like in Riverdale or Buffy, or non-existent, like when a professor goes to fix the plumbing in the boy next door. The only school custodians I can think of are Groundskeeper Willie from The Simpsons, Mr. Bronca from Bob's Burgers, and the, spoilers, eponymous strangler in Teenage Strangler. Do you know of other school custodians or janitors in fiction, particularly ones that actually play a role in a movie's plot? Grimily yours, Monty, last name withheld. I'm going to open this up to all janitors or custodians. I think it would be a little hard otherwise. But the one that immediately springs to mind is the guy in The Breakfast Club who is like, hey, hey, principal, these, you know, you're just an asshole. Like, these kids aren't so bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was going to talk about how there's a, there's a movie about a janitor at a college and how he's a genius, and it's called Goodwill Hunting, and he's the star of the movie, <laughs> oh, yeah, and yeah. he's the janitor. But wow. he doesn't spend Dan, that- do you like apples? How do you <laughs> like those apples? <laughs> but I, have to well, admit I don't that- actually like apples that much. I think they're usually <laughs> oh, pretty then I guess, mealy. Wait, let me okay. take that not, not back. Forget it. Do you like, well, what's a fruit you like? Like tangerines, satsumas? I like a, I like a mango. Okay. Okay, okay. Jordan. Edit all that stuff out. Let's do <laughs> this say, part. Okay, Dan, Dan, do you like these tangerines? <laughs> no, I didn't say I like tangerines. Dan, like do you like mangoes? Dream. They did some good soundtrack work. Dan, do you like mangoes? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, well, I've got a Chris Kattan character I think you're going to like. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, and uh, there's a, which is the movie, is it Zapped? Which is the movie where there's a janitor and he gets high and it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the movie? I think that is zapped. I think zapped, that might okay. be like Scatman Crothers or something. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. But uh, I was gonna, if you if you move it beyond just school janitors, I'm going to mention my favorite janitor in any movie. That would mm-hmm. be the robot janitor in the movie Rotor. Who mm-hmm. this is a movie about a crime fighting robot that goes berserk and instead goes on a rampage. But the lab already has a robot that serves as the janitor and seems to live his own life and have a functioning AI and just be like a regular person. And he's maybe my favorite robot in the history of cinema. I've talked about him before. He's great. Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I just finished playing through a video game called control where the, uh, this isn't a school janitor, but the, uh, the, the bureau's, janitor seems to be this like otherworldly entity that dispenses knowledge and weird side quests uh so that was pretty cool and uh also in for a school janitor 
there's that Canadian comedy TV show, uh, Todd and the Book of Pure Evil, I think is what it's called, where Jason Mewes plays a uh, school janitor who's like uh, supposed to be a super cool dude. And if it's played by Jason Mewes, you know it's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Classic cool guy. <laughs> okay, I think we're done uh, narrow casting to school janitors now, and we can move uh-huh. on. To I mean, the this next... this is what you said after you spent a while talking about pens. Also, yeah, <laughs> yeah I thought to this week I was like, oh, let's get really granular with a few yeah. questions. Let's get <laughs> let's get specific. Let's recommend movies that uh, would probably be a better use of your time than the computer wore tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Anyone want to go first, or shall I? Uh, I'll go. Uh, I'm going to recommend another movie that's on a different streaming service uh, than the one we watched. Uh, I am going to recommend a movie called Wounds. Uh, it's directed by Babak Anvari, the director of uh, of Under the Shadow. Uh, this is a movie where Army Hammer plays a Nolens bartender who is a real fucking mess, and he is a fuck up in his personal life, and he also uh, finds a telephone that seems to be a portal to hell. Uh, it's a weird movie because it kind of tries to be both a horror movie and a story of this guy's life falling apart because of his own bad decisions. And it kind of succeeds at both. Uh, and there's some really creepy stuff in it. It's one of those horror movies that uh, elicits either like a normal rating uh, on like IMDb or whatever rating service or like a one out of 10 stars. Like it's the kind of horror movie that makes some people very angry mm-hmm. uh, because of whatever expectations, but I thought it was fun and gross and weird. So, uh, and you know, it's got Dakota Johnson in it. Zazie beats army hammer, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Those are good people. Uh-huh. And you will consider most of them to be underused. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but me, I still liked it. Let me recommend a movie that I uh, saw a while back, uh, rewatched last night, called A Face in the Crowd, uh, directed by Ilya Kazan. It's a movie about a a sort of face? huckster. No, like a like a huckster. Oh, so he doesn't have a face. Who become who rises to prominence through no understanding how to work the media, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually gains political power, even though he's a monster. And I have no idea why that might be relevant uh, in this modern world, but we'll move on. And uh, it stars Andy Griffith. Uh, and if you've ever, if you only know Andy Griffith from uh, the Andy Griffith Show or Matlock, uh, you will be surprised maybe by his performance here, which is intense and frightening. Uh, while still, you know, having enough sort of like genuine charisma that you understand why people would fall under his spell. Patricia Neal is in it. She's very great as the woman who unwisely falls for him. And it also has a young and confusingly sort of handsome Walter Matthau in it. And uh, I'm not often actually a fan of Elia Kazan's movies. I find them to be a little stagey and slow a lot of the time. But Mm -hmm. this one, the filmmaking is more kind of jazzy and impressionistic and intense. And uh, yeah, I I, I like it. A face in the crowd. I I really like it when you take take an actor that you normally know uh, doing one specific thing and see them in it. Especially when you have a character that's normally a good guy and see them get to play a bad guy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I'm going to recommend, I recently uh, took a chance to revisit the movie Candyman, which should have been a Shocktober recommendation because it's a horror movie, but... Uh-huh. I think I it's an ever it's an it's an every time recommendation. It's, it's, an, it's an all year round recommendation, and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that this movie is as good as I remember it being. And so, uh, if you haven't seen it and you think it is just like any other kind of slashery type movie, it's not. It's real atmospheric, and uh, the acting's real good in it. And I would I would go as far as to say this is the best of the Clive Barker movies. Would you guys agree with me on that? Uh, well, I'm. It's it's probably the. I don't know. I'm such a sucker for the first two Hellraisers. Yeah, yeah I, uh, but I mean, but Candyman is very good. I, uh, it's it's easily on par. Yeah, and and Candyman I think is one of the best movies, best horror. Like it's one of the horror movies that pulls off the whole no one believes me, and that being like as horrific as the the bad guy thing the best like. The the lead of Virginia Madsen like really feels like she's in a trap kind of in the movie. Yeah, and they do. Usually, when you watch those movies, you're like, "Why don't you just tell somebody what's happening?" And here, that is not an option. And also, everyone thinks that she is eventually becoming a psycho murderer. Uh, so yeah, and it's, it was, a, and it's such a great performance from Tony Todd. Like what a what a like a career making performance. Yeah. So it was just it's. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't seen this movie in a while, and it was as good as I remember it. So. If you want to watch a horror movie, then you should watch Candyman. If you want to watch a movie about delicious candy and the man who mm-hmm. makes them, then oh, no. maybe Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory might be more your your speed. Uh, or if there's uh, like a documentary about the Hershey's Corporation, do that. It is I, I cannot stress this enough. Candyman is not actually about candy. Let me yeah. just say that. Very deceptive title. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and you should ch- watch it now. I think that's one of those like movies that's in in line to be remade. So you should watch the current one, and you know, in preparation for a remake. Mm-hmm. Guys, we did it. We kept it relatively short. I oh, I great. appreciate it. My my throat appreciates it. Yeah. Before we go, we should say thank you to our donors who uh-huh. keep us afloat. Mm-hmm. You are by far uh, the reason we can still do this thank you to the network who provides us a framework for that sort of thing and uh supports us and uh produces a lot of other great shows go to maximumfun.org to check that out other shows uh-huh. um tweet about us uh instagram about us sure yeah. Yeah, tick, <laughs> yep. tiktok about us tiktok is about us periscope about us if that still exists does it mm-hmm. Face- oh. Only fans about us. About us. <laughs> Leave a positive review on iTunes. As uh, I always say, if if you have negative feelings, you know, yeah, keep it that yourself. in the world. I mean, if you feel like you must share it, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to come to your house and uh-huh. stop you. But, you know, it'd be nice if you said something nice about us on iTunes. Yeah, oh, that'd yeah. be great. Always. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, on Letterboxd. Is that a place mm-hmm. you can talk about podcasts? Uh, Probably, yeah. Yeah, you could stick it in the middle of like a, a review of something. In like the body of a review, not the title, because that yeah. can be confusing. That'd be crazy. Yeah. People would think that we were a movie, which we're not. Hey, guys, mm-hmm. I, I and I'd love to hear from uh, from our listeners. Uh, we're t- we're talking about our live shows for next year. If there's a city you'd like to see us in, let us know. I'm promising nothing, but mm-hmm. uh, let us know if you want us to come by. Maybe we will. <laughs> all right, so uh, that's all let's, for this uh, time. Let's put Dan to bed. Next time, <laughs> I want to tease. Next time, uh, our 
300th episode, which also happens to land on Cagemus, so... It's the conjunction of the planets, as was fabled, fabled, as was foreseen, fabled, as foreseen in the prophecy, mm-hmm. the prophecy that stated that after 300 episodes, we would continue doing this. Did your did your granny tell you that, that prophecy? <laughs> you know, my, my grandmama always told me uh-huh, yeah. that 300 episodes would fall on Cagemus. And uh, at the time, I didn't know what any of that meant. <laughs> but now, you were right, Grandmama. You were right. And that's when the demons came in. Cut to 5,000 years in the future. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening, as always. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm still Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalen. Now feeling like I picked up Dan's sickness over the internet. Is that possible? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it's the premise of this horror script I'm writing. The sickness is strong (laughs) in me, Elliot. Goodbye, everyone. Streaming on Disney Plus, or is it Disney Minus? Okay. So you just turned the snarf at the end there. (laughs) Yeah, I think Elliot's is better. (laughs) I don't know. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.